All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday night as I'm recording this following the Denver Nuggets loss to the Boston Celtics. Final score, 108-102. Denver had the lead going into the fourth quarter. Uh, They led by three. They lost the fourth quarter by nine. Uh, The bench had done some good things for a little bit, and then they even started the fourth quarter reasonably well. But unfortunately, they they kind of lost their thread on the game. Thought Michael Malone left the starters on the bench for just a little bit too long, uh, and then the starters couldn't really close it out. But it wasn't necessarily uh, wasn't necessarily one person's fault, and I really want to make sure to highlight that because tonight, uh, Faku Campazo closed the game from the bench. Uh, played the final 17 or so minutes of the game, and he received a lot of backlash from Nuggets fans. Michael Malone received a lot of backlash from the decision of playing Faku Campazo down the stretch after he hadn't played much at all lately. And I get it. I understand why people are upset. I do. And believe me, I am not going to uh, cape for Faku or cape for Malone on this one. I just don't think the decision was as cut and dry as a lot of people seem to. And and I, I get it. I understand why people, especially my listeners who know how much I track the, the plus minus and whatnot. I understand. I do. I just want to make it clear that it's none of these things are as cut and dry as people want to say. Uh, post-game, Michael Malone did say that he thought that uh, the thing that he regretted the most when coming off the court was that he didn't put Bones Highland back into the game. And that's understandable. I get it. Uh, We'll talk about it. We will talk about it throughout this podcast and start with the starters. Second segment will be about the bench. And then third segment, we're going to talk about Murray and Porter because we keep getting some of these tidbits of information that I think are important for Nuggets fans to hear. Some positive tidbits, I promise. Let's go with the starters to begin. Uh, Nikola Jokic, what a, what a weird game from Nikola Jokic, right? 23 points on 20 shots, 9 of 20 from the field, 3 of 10 from 3. He was 6 of 10 from 2. Missed a couple free throws, uh, grabbed 16 rebounds, including 5 offensive, added 11 assists, 2 blocks. He also turned the ball over 9 times and was a plus 3 on the game. Look, I don't think this really needs any... Like, like this, this shouldn't really be a complicated thing here. I give Nikola Jokic a lot of freedom when it comes to the turnover thing because he has the ball in his hands so much. And the Nuggets as a team, they defer to him so much. He touches the ball over 100 times a game. For him to have nine turnovers is not unheard of. It's not like this massive problem that I think... Um. I think Denver could have they could they could have won the game still. Like I, I do think that Denver as a team shot twenty five percent from three, nine turnovers in the grand scheme of things from Nikola Jokic. Probably not the thing that I am thinking about the most because if Denver hits another two threes, then they're tied. But what I will say is that Jokic he said post game he wasn't good, or that he wasn't good enough, and that him and and Will Barton. As leaders of the team, they need to hold themselves to a higher standard, be better. Uh, 
And I tend to agree with that. I think in a game like tonight where he attempted 10 threes and I thought uh, this was a night where he decided he didn't want to put his head down and drive, didn't want to go to the post as often, uh, he settled a little bit and then got a little bit lazy with his passes. And the combination of that against a really good defensive team in the Celtics that had all of their best defensive guys out there, uh, that's a really, really tough thing. Like, look, you play a Celtics team with Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, and Robert Williams as the starting unit, and then have Peyton Pritchard, newcomer Derek White, and Grant Williams off the bench. That's a really, really elite defensive group. And the way you neutralize that is you dictate the game. And I thought that there were too many times that Jokic kind of let the Celtics off the hook. He did go to the post a couple times against Robert Williams in the second half, uh, failed down the stretch in that regard. And I thought he gave a little bit too much respect to Robert Williams personally, because Time Lord is a very, very good player. But there were a lot of times also where Jokic would face up hit a nice jumper, calm the team down, and then force the Celtics to over-adjust. And that's where a lot of his assists came from. I thought he kind of let them off the hook tonight. It wasn't his best game. And uh, honestly, I was rooting for the quadruple double in a Nuggets win because I think that's a funny storyline. I think it's it's very entertaining to watch Yoke sometimes when he turns the ball over because he does try to make the right basketball play every single time. That's that's how his game is wired. It just didn't happen tonight. And I thought that Denver's outside shooters also kind of let him down. So it is what it is. I thought his defense was pretty good. Shouldn't necessarily be blamed for this game, but I do think that he could have been better. Aaron Gordon tonight, uh, 17 points on 15 shots, six rebounds, two assists, three steals. Uh, did a really nice job on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, I thought his defense tonight was very good, and, and he should not be criticized, I don't think, for the effort that he put in. Uh, he was very solid. And it's too bad that I think he's one of the culprits in this case where sometimes he will settle for the outside shot, even when he has a really good mismatch against a player that isn't as physical as him. On the interior, he finished 8 of 10 from two-point range and 0 of 5 from 3 on the offensive end. And when he wasn't being aggressive in the paint, I thought it led to a variety of bad shots. One of the uh, other two-point shots that he had was off of a, a drive on Marcus Smart and then posting up for a turnaround fadeaway. And and there are some of those games, like some of those uh, plays throughout the game where you just kind of scratch your head a little bit where he's kind of letting the defense off the hook despite the fact that he's a very physical presence and can really make his impact felt when he puts his head down. Uh, it's too bad because he the, the left hamstring injury I'm sure is probably impacting his, his ability to be physical a little bit, but I do think that he has to be more physical because it's not going to come from Jeff Green. It's not really going to come from Will Barton, though I thought Will had a good game tonight. It's not going to come from Bones, and it's not going to come from Zeke. So I do think that it falls on Gordon to be a physical initiator. 
And I know he's been hit with a couple offensive fouls in the past, but with the way the game was being played, I thought he settled for the three a little bit too much. Same goes for Jeff Green, who was one of six from the field, one of five from three, 21 minutes. Once again, uh, Denver finished with Zeke Naji tonight. And despite the fact that Zeke, I, I don't think he had a great game, especially on the offensive end. I do think that he defended Jalen Brown pretty well, uh, among other folks. I do think that he defended Jason Tatum pretty well. And he got the nod over Jeff Green. And we're really starting to see a a shift in the minutes for Zeke, where he is playing more minutes almost every game now than Jeff Green. I think that's kind of fascinating. I wonder if that's going to continue as the season wears along or if this is just a managing of minutes thing for Denver. But uh, Jeff Green playing less minutes than he has, I do think that this is a, a concerted effort for Malone to try to save his players. And I think he should get credit for that uh, in the face of a lot of the criticism that he does face. Uh, keeping Jeff Green's minutes down is a very important thing for this team. But Jeff Green was plus eight on the game, played only 21 minutes. Denver might have needed him down the stretch because I don't think that Zeke played well. Will Barton deserves some credit, uh, 13 points, six rebounds, three assists. Did have two turnovers, but I thought he was pretty good. I thought that there were a couple times where he, he missed a read here or there. Uh, the defensive stuff with him, it wasn't that bad tonight. Like, let's be honest. I thought that Jalen Brown, his initial matchup went 4 of 17. Uh, Marcus Smart went 6 of 16, 8 of 10 at the line, but it wasn't on Will Barton. Al Horford was meh. Robert Williams was the guy that Jokic defended. Jason Tatum was meh. It really was Derek White, and Derek White played a lot of the game. I think he might have closed the game also, and that's the guy that if you're Denver, uh, Barton has to try to take out. He has to prevent him from winning that matchup, and he wasn't always the guy on Derek White, but Derek White was a guy that I, I thought Denver could have really used, and he thought he proved it, proved why tonight, that when his jumper is following Derek White, he plays pretty well on both ends of the floor and makes a massive impact. So Barton, kind of an understated game from him, did take the third most shot attempts on the team, uh, but he stayed relatively efficient, like 13 points on 10 shots and only one of two at the line. That's not that bad. That's like anybody that's criticizing Barton after this game, I think, is missing the point. Uh, Bones got a start tonight as well. I'm, I'm leaving him till last uh, for this starting group. He only played 18 minutes. And in the first half, he was very, very good. I thought that other than the foul trouble where he picked up three fouls and only played about 10, 11 minutes because of that foul trouble, didn't actually close the game. I thought that in his minutes, he did a pretty nice job of taking advantage of the uh, the open space that the Celtics were getting him, and then kind of just playing off of Jokic, delivering him the ball, having Jokic be the point guard, and Bones was just the guy that kind of complimented him, and he did. He hit the he hit three of three from two, only hit one of four from three, 
Um, but I do think that one of the reasons why Bones didn't close the game. Actually, we'll save that for the other side. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Faku. We're going to talk about the bench. We'll talk about the decision for Michael Malone to close with Faku over Bones uh, when we come back. But first, as you know, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. It's Friday night right now. Super Bowl Sunday is just around the corner. And I know that if you aren't signed up for DraftKings, then you are missing out on a fantastic deal where DraftKings is giving 56 to 1 odds for Super Bowl 56 for the winner of either team, where you bet just $5 on one of the teams. Get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer, that's fine because DraftKings, they're offering some great Super Bowl 56 props instead. We have a wide range of props throughout the big game, whether it's on predicting the final score, uh, a non-quarterback to throw a pass, fourth down conversions, total yardage, anthem time. There's so many different things that you can bet on with the Super Bowl 56 props. We have to go over to DraftKings to do it, and you have to go use the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Make sure to download it. Use promo code MHS when you do. Let them know that you came from us. You get those 56 to 1 odds. You get that big cash. Uh, get those free bets if your team wins. That's promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Back to Gax and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars if you can. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, that would be fantastic. Just make sure to share out the program. Uh, continuing to do good things over here and hope everybody gets to share in the love. All right. Uh, before I get to Faku, I do want to address uh, Mike, uh, Nicole Jokic actually. Oops. Harrison Wynn just tweeted out this video, and I wanted to make sure to talk about it real briefly here. Uh, Nikola Jokic saying that he and Will Barton played really bad, that they didn't have any chemistry, and that at the end of the day, they're supposed to be the leaders. And he said it was a little bit of him, a little bit of Will. And I feel like that's the first time that Nikola Jokic has really addressed somebody else as playing bad this season. And like usually he, he gives people the benefit of the doubt. And I, I think that's fascinating. That I, I honestly didn't have a problem with how Will played offensively for most of the night. Uh defensively it is what it is. Sometimes you're gonna you're gonna mess some things up, but I didn't really have a as much of a problem with him. Maybe maybe there were some other issues that when I go back and watch that there, there'll be some things that pop up, but that is a very curious quote. And I just wanted to make sure to talk about it here briefly. Uh, do I think it's something? No, I, I don't think it's, I think it's going to be a whole lot of nothing and people will probably ask Will about it and he'll probably say, yeah, I wasn't great. But I do think that going into a game tomorrow, just, just 
make a mental note of that two-man duo. Um, okay. Bench lineup. We had, instead of uh, Bones Highland, he got the start tonight because Monte Morris was out due to concussion protocol. He's he's in concussion protocol. It's not something you can control, obviously. Um, you got Faku Kampaza leading the second unit, Brent Forbes, Austin Rivers, Zeke Naji, and Jermichael Green. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that Jermichael played. I thought that it would be DeMarcus Cousins. I thought that Denver would uh, go with DeMarcus Cousins because they play a stagger of Robert Williams and Al Horford for most of the night, uh, the Celtics do. And those are two big bodies. Thought that J. Mike looked a little bit small out there going up against a guy like Robert Williams. And Michael Malone criticized the rebounding a little bit, said that Denver got out-rebounded or like just dominated on the glass tonight. And it wasn't entirely that. Like it's 54 to 52 in the offense in the rebounding category for the Celtics, but uh, Denver gave up 18 offensive rebounds, and six of those came to Robert Williams and Al Horford. And I don't remember a lot of times where Jokic actually gave up a rebound either. So I have to imagine that it's mostly with the bench or mostly with switches, because that's what usually happens in situations like these. And I look to Jermichael Green in that situation where he only grabs five rebounds, grabs three total defensive rebounds, and Zeke Naji, who's usually out guarding Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or somebody like that. Not sure he can be blamed because he's on the perimeter. So other folks have to rebound and you've got Faku out there. You've got Bryn Forbes out there. You've got Austin Rivers and Faku out rebounds both of those other two. But Jermichael Green only grabs three off or three defensive rebounds the entire game that he's out there. And that feels wrong. That feels like that shouldn't happen. Um, thought that DeMarcus Cousins would play. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with this decision from Malone. I think that he said that he wanted to, that one of the reasons why they brought back DeMarcus and brought him in was that they want to get a good look at him over the course of this next 10 day, but he didn't play. And you have three more games to play him. One in Toronto, uh, one where they come home and they play a bad team, and then they go on the road and finish in Golden State. I think they play Orlando uh, as the bad team next. He'll play against Orlando, DeMarcus Cousins will, but I don't know if he'll play against Golden State. That's not a good matchup for him. So this would have been a good matchup for DeMarcus Cousins, and kind of surprised that he didn't play. But either way, Jermichael did not play well. Two of eight from the field, minus seven on the night, four re- or four points, five rebounds, missed a lot of tip-ins, and was 0 of 3 from 3. Uh, this is kind of like a bad Jamichael game, but it's not that far off from what the average has been. It really hasn't been. So was that because Vaca Campazzo was on the court? I doubt it. I don't think that that's how that really works. Perhaps there there's something to that and that Denver couldn't really create anything. Although Austin Rivers came back into the lineup and was not really impressed with his offensive game overall. He had a couple of good floaters, but it wasn't like like they were one-off plays, not necessarily the product of good offense. Bryn Forbes, 
really bad game overall. Like this is one of those things where you've just got to watch. You've just got to see what's going on. And and he was taken advantage of time and time again by Derek White and by Marcus Smart and by Jalen Brown and anybody that was fortunate enough to be switched out on him. And uh, it's just one of those things that I thought the Bones was fine tonight from a defensive perspective. I thought that Marcus Smart got into him a little bit at times, but for the most part, when the opposing team wasn't like hunting him and he wasn't fouling, Bones was doing a reasonably good job. And I think the Bryn is mostly the opposite of that. It's very rare that I'm I come away from a possession watching Bryn Forbes on the defensive end and think, yeah, that was that was sustainable for a playoff run. Um Denver's gonna have to figure that out because he went 0 of 1 from three, only played 12 minutes, was run off the line several times, did get an and one, and he deserves some credit for that. Also did get a steal and a block. So I must be watching something different from what the stats are saying, or or maybe this is why you watch, where sometimes the steal and block numbers can be a little bit random based off of what happened, but I thought the Celtics bench really took advantage. Uh, Derek White, especially, really took advantage of some uh, some bad defense, and and I think the rebounding is at the core of that. And when you have so many small guards, when you try zone in the first half, Denver gets a 13-0 run against them the moment that Jokic comes out of the game. I think a lot of that is because they have they they were so small and they had to try to counteract that with a zone. But you get offensive rebounded in a zone and you're you're screwed. You are just screwed. So Denver had to do that because they were small. Um, Zeke Naji. Actually, no, let's go to Faku. Faku plays 29 minutes. He plays 12 minutes-ish in the first half and then 17 straight to close the game in the second half. And... In the first half, I think that what many folks are going to look at is the three three pointers. And then there are his critics who are going to look at the way the offense played, the way things kind of turned out from a team perspective, and then put that on Faku. It's somewhere in the middle. Like Faku did make three of Denver's 11 three pointers, he was three of six from three. The rest of the team was 5 of 36, or 5 of 38, excuse me. 8 of 38. Gosh, I'm so bad at math. Um, 8 of 38 is not good. That is really, really atrocious. And Jokic made three of those. Will Barton made two. Jeff and, Jeff and uh, Bones made one each. There was only one three-pointer made by the rest of the bench, where Rivers didn't make any. Forbes, his job is to make threes. He didn't make any. Zeke was one of three. He did make one. He was in transition. It was a good shot. Jamichael Green, over. And so you start coming to this thing where you don't know if it's the product or the result, or like if he's the impetus for the problem, Compazzo, or if those guys just had a bad game. And I tend to think it's the latter tonight. I think there are other times where you can point to his minutes specifically and say, yeah, he was the problem. I don't think you could say that tonight. I really do think that Denver, they struggled from an offensive and defensive perspective at times, 
but I don't know if I can like point to Faku and say, oh yeah, you were the issue. Now there are plays, especially down the stretch, where I boldly claimed that I thought that it was fine of Michael Malone to close with Faku over Bones. Uh, that turned out to be the wrong decision, and I think Michael Malone regrets that for sure, where Faku played the last 17 minutes in a row, and then in the last five plus minutes made several mistakes that really kind of screwed Denver up. Multiple fouls on Marcus Smart, including an and one. Uh, Faku turned the ball over on an inbound pass where he didn't know the inbounds play, what Jokic wanted to run, and Jokic flashed to the ball, and Faku didn't deliver an open pass to him. So there are plays that you look at, and you can identify and say, yeah, Faku, that was not a good decision. Uh, He was the issue in those cases. But I don't want that to take away from the fact that I think he earned the right to close based off of his play prior to. He made some hustle plays. He made some good passes. He hit three threes. Uh, He grabbed four rebounds, two offensive rebounds that actually helped win Denver some points. So it's not like it was this massive, like, oh, Michael Malone definitely made a, a super bad decision and everybody can see it. Everybody's acting like that on Twitter. I don't necessarily believe that. I really don't. Because Bones would have probably been taken advantage of in the same ways defensively by Marcus Smart, by Jalen Brown, and everybody that's going at him, Derek White, etc. Like, Bones would have been in a pickle. It would have been tough. And Bones has never closed with the starting unit before. So I do think that on the road, hostile environment to TD Garden, like, I understand why Michael Malone decided to go with the veteran. I really do. Do I think it was the wrong decision in retrospect? Probably. You probably should have just trusted the starters or the starters plus Najee because Najee closed the game as well. And I think that's, was that what lost them the game? I don't know. I don't think so. I really don't. But I do think that everybody should get off of Michael Malone for this one. Like, it was a decision that a, a, is a hard decision, a really difficult decision for a coach to trust a rookie in that spot where the last minutes that he had on the court, Denver starters were blowing a big lead. So it's not like Bones was completely infallible in this game, despite the fact that he played a pretty solid game overall. I don't want to like rag on the rookie, but I do think that folks are unfairly Racking on composers tonight where I just don't think it warrants it. Just because the the result was the same doesn't mean that the process and the way that we got there was the same. It was different. It really was, in my opinion. Now, others will argue that, and I get it. Uh, I also think that Malone could be criticized for not going back to the starter sooner tonight. But he also has a back-to-back to think about with the Nuggets playing Toronto uh, the next day. So, it's a really tough place for a coach to be. You take away his starting point guard in Monte Morris, and it it's just makes all these things ten times harder. So, look, it, it is what it is. It's a really tough choice, and it didn't work out for the Nuggets tonight. Michael Malone said post-game that he thought he should have gone back to Bones. 
So I think you can look at it and say, hey, if this situation happens again and he still goes with Faku or still goes with a different lineup rather than the one that everybody says that he should go to, then I think you can be a little bit more critical. I don't think that's the case tonight. I really don't. I also think that Marcus Smart grifted his way into way too many points for the Celtics. He probably won the Celtics about 8 to 10 points tonight by simply grifting. Whether that was flopping offensive fouls, whether that was flopping defensive fouls, uh, drawing some contact and then whipping his head back and falling to the floor uh, against Jokic after he pushed him just a little bit. It was bad. Like It was very annoying to watch, and it's one of the reasons why I would want Marcus Smart on the team, because he would bring that to Denver in a positive way, was a plus six in 39 minutes in a six-point win. So there is a lot to think about from that perspective. It's a missed opportunity. Denver held Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to a combined 12 of 36 from the field. Anytime you do that, you should be able to get a win. It's unfortunate they got 15 points off the bench from Derek White. They got 22 from Smarts. They got 15 from Robert Williams. It just all kind of came together against Denver, and uh, it's tough. Denver just doesn't have the, the same talent at their disposal that the Celtics do right now. Now you add Jamal Murray and Michael Porter and Monte Morris to that equation, and I don't think that Denver has this issue. But we're going to talk about that in the third segment because we've been hearing a lot of positive things about the returns of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. So when we come back, let's hit the positivity meter. We'll be right back. We're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate the love and support as always. So uh, we are going to get into some positivity here because I think Nuggets fans need it. Uh, Denver has two days off. They don't do anything at the trade deadline. Nuggets fans are already feeling a little bit irritated. And then you lose a game that you probably could have won, probably should have won, to be honest, based off of how the starting lineup played for most of the first half. So it's tough. It's always tough to be in that position, but I do think that there are reasons for excitement. I think that uh, Jokic is playing pretty well overall, obviously MVP level for most of the time. Aaron Gordon for most of the time is, is filling the role of second banana pretty well. Monte Morris has stabilized things. Will Barton, he's good. Not great, but good. And then with Bones Highland and Zeke Naji playing as well as they have over the course of the last few weeks, then there is some reason for Nuggets fans to feel like they have a good enough supporting cast in a lot of different ways. But it's not about the supporting cast. It's about the top-end talent for a lot of people, and there is some reason to be excited about that too, because today on Altitude this morning, Tim Connolly, uh, basically came out and, and was asked about Michael Porter and Jamal Murray. And he was very, not adamant, 
in past, but he basically said that it's very possible that they could be cleared by the time the season is, uh, by the time the regular season ends. And when you think about that, like from a physical medical clearing, that is the first step in the process of getting two of Denver's most important guys back on the court. And I've been saying this for a while, and Mike Singer also reported today, uh, just reading directly from his article here, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray are expected to each be physically cleared to return before the end of the regular season, a source said. Um, They have both been in situations where the Nuggets have not wanted to rush them back, where Michael Malone has been adamant about saying that he doesn't want to rush them back. They're on their own timetables. He doesn't want to put the pressure on them to be saviors or anything like that, that Denver needs them so much that they have to kind of shirk the responsibilities of their healthy rehab. So instead, uh, Harrison Wind yesterday asked him, could they be back? Uh, is it is it a possibility that Michael Porter will be back on the floor next season? He said yes. And I think that was the first kind of barrier to be broken down in this whole thing. That the the writing isn't on the wall that things are going bleak. Like there is some reason to be optimistic. There's some reason to be positive. And Tim Connolly continued that today. And with Mike Singer's article, both guys being medically cleared. What that really means at that point is once they are cleared, it's up to Murray mentally and it's up to Porter mentally to really say, okay, when do we want to come back? My understanding is that those guys are not going to want to wait. They see what's going on with this Nuggets team right now, how well Nikola Jokic is playing. They want to play on the floor with Jokic. They want to get back out there with Aaron Gordon. Monte Morris, Will Barton, guys like that. They see how great this group can be. Because when you've got your top guys for the most part on the floor, the team is still very good, even without two of their three best players. And those guys, from what I understand, they know that the rehab has been difficult, but once they reach those check marks, once they reach that comfort level, they will be back on the floor, and I do think it's going to be sooner than what a lot of people think. I've maintained, and I said this publicly, I've said this privately, uh, that Murray will be back in March. Now, I do think that his timetable has been pushed back from like early March to like mid-March. That's where that's kind of where we're at with this thing. And he's going to be patient, and nobody's going to rush him, and I do think that the medical clearance thing, that's going to come relatively soon because we're in mid-February right now. We're like entering mid-February. You go a month from now and Murray will be over 10 months out from his ACL tear. Usually that's around where folks are cleared and Murray's going to be rearing to get back. I really do believe that. He's very strong mentally. He understands this process. Um, but he's never had a long-term injury before, so it has taken him a little bit by surprise. But I do think that once he can smell the court again, like like really sense that that is coming, he's going to be itching to get back. And the same goes for Mike. 
because he, he, like everybody knows, he loves basketball. He wants to be as great as he can be. And watching him at practice yesterday shoot the shit out of the ball, it was a lot of fun. And he looks, and I know Adam Mari said this on the po- on his uh, show yesterday. He looks like he's gearing up to return. Like he, he's not just shooting around. It's not just like getting shots up because that's what he's supposed to do with his rehab. He looks like he's taking shots with the intention of getting back on the court. I really do think there's a difference there. So now we get to be excited. Now we get to kind of hold that in the back of the mind. They're not going to come back right after the All-Star break, I don't think. It might take until March. might even take until April uh, for Mike, Michael Porter's case. But I do think that with given the right amount of time, those guys are going to get healthy. They're going to get ready. And once they do come back, you start to think about the playoff rotation a little bit more and what it looks like from a logistical standpoint, uh, from a talent standpoint. I think with most folks, they are a little bit concerned about the backup center minutes. They're concerned about uh, the defense, and I I do get that. I've been pushing those narratives a lot. I realize that I am often the one that drives some of that conversation around what people should and shouldn't be concerned about. You just think about the talent. Just think about the players that Denver could have at their disposal. Let's say you get to the playoffs, and assuming no overtimes, and that might be a, the bad decision uh, to assume given that Denver's played in a four-overtime game before, but hear me out. Denver has 240 rotation playoff minutes to allocate. Jokic is going to play a lot. He's going to play about 38 to 40 minutes, let's say 38. Gordon, he's fully integrated. He's very relied upon. We'll say 36. Barton. 32. Jamal Murray, I think he could come back and play about 32. Jeff Green, I'm going to assume that he stays in the starting lineup, but I do think that it's possible that he comes off the bench. I think it's possible that Porter gets back into the starting lineup, or even Monte Morris goes into the starting lineup, where you play a little bit smaller with Barton sliding to the three, depending on the matchup. But I do think Denver has that flexibility. I'm going to say Murray at 32, Jeff Green at 24. Monte Morris at 24, Michael Porter Jr. at 24, Zeke Naji at 15, and either one of Bones, Bryn Forbes, or Austin Rivers at about 15 themselves. That is a nine-man rotation, which means you'll get some staggering, you'll get some players that play with the bench units. If Murray is healthy, And if he's feeling good, he might even play more than 32 minutes. But I do think that Denver should be disciplined with that. Maybe they play Porter closer to 30. But that's 240 minutes. And I don't think people would be that upset if that was the rotation or that was the minute allocation. You don't have a backup center in that minute allocation. But I do think that you could get away with an Aaron Gordon, Zeke Naji lineup for the second unit, or a Jeff Green, Zeke Naji lineup, or a Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon second unit, or something like that. You'll need some weird units out there at times, and Denver's going to have to play around with that. But given that they haven't really committed to a center quite yet, 
whether it's Jamichael Green, whether it's DeMarcus Cousins. I think there's a reason to believe that Denver could go a different way with this rotation. Right now, during the regular season, Austin Rivers averaging 21 minutes a night. Faku Campazzo, 21 minutes a night. Jamichael Green, 15 minutes per night. Those are probably getting cut down. Maybe Austin gets into the rotation, plays with Bones Highland, or in in place of Bones Highland. Maybe that's something that Michael Malone wants to do. And I'd understand if he did it. It's like, Austin's a guy that you trust as a veteran. Bryn's a guy that you traded for, also a veteran. But Bones has also showed that he can help, and maybe he gets the nod on some playoff games, and maybe Austin Rivers gets the nod, or Davon Reed, or somebody like that. But either way, Denver can go down to a nine-man rotation where either Michael Porter or Jeff Green is starting, and then the bench is the other one of those two, Monte Morris, Zeke Naji, and one of three guards. And you stagger, or he just play yoke 46 minutes. And if that's the case, he'll get tired. But you could probably get away with that against Phoenix or Golden State if you're lucky to get there or something like that. Look, I know it feels pretty tough in the face of a loss like this one where Jokic only plays 34 minutes, Will Barton plays 34. If you look at the uh, if you look at the Celtics rotation, they've already gone down to an eight-man rotation. In order to beat the Nuggets by six points at home, Jason Tatum played 37, Robert Williams played 37, Marcus Smart played 39, Jalen Brown played 39. Derek White off the bench played 28 minutes. They had to condense their rotation a lot. And Denver might get to that point too. They really might. It's going to take a little bit. It's going to take some trust. And it's going to take some healthy stints from Michael Porter and Jamal Murray when they come back. But you can really reduce the rotation if you're Michael Malone and trim the fat, so to speak where you get the best versions of each player, can mix and match with units that you trust, and in the minutes that you don't have Nikola Jokic on the floor, you can at least know that it's some combination of Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, Monte Morris, is always going to be out there. Because tonight, Denver had to run with a unit of Faku Campazzo, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers, Zeke Naji, and Jermichael Green. If that lineup plays meaningful minutes in a playoff game, I will eat my hat. Things are going to get better. I promise. And I do think that we can really start to count on Murray and Porter coming back. I know that Michael Malone keeps saying, oh, they might not come back. They might not. It's protection. He's trying to protect them. I think we're trending towards a positive direction instead. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love. Uh, Stay out of my mentions if you're going to stay negative stuff, unless I deserve it. I promise. Uh, Sometimes I warrant it. I know that... uh, I know that that could be frustrating, but I thought it was pretty good tonight. I thought it was defensive of Faku in, in good ways, in positive ways. So, Argentina, please love me. 
Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Toronto, tomorrow night. We will see what happens with this Nuggets team, whether uh, Jokic decides to go Super Saiyan mode in that game. Just cut down on the turnovers, turn those into points, big fella. I'll be good. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.